0: The Ostomy Nurse Project. Hey there and welcome back to this week's episode of The Ostomy Nurse Project. As per usual, it's Felicity, your host, and we're focusing on something a little bit different today because I spend most of my time talking about ostomy appliances and products and accessories for people who have either a bladder or bowel stoma. But there's a little group of people who also fall into this category where they do have a stoma, but they don't necessarily have to wear a pouching system. And these types of stomas are what we call continent stomas. And so in this episode, we're just going to be focusing on the different types of bladder and bowel continent stomas that we may come across as stomal therapy nurses and the ways in which we help those people as opposed to working with people who have incontinent stomas and and providing bags and pouches and accessories. So for the continent bowel stomas, we're going to be looking at things like the ACE or the MACE procedure, which I'm going to talk about later and define that for you. We're also going to be looking at the continent ileostomy, so what we call the K pouch. And then we can also look at things like the continent urinary diversion, so the Mitrofanoff, the Monty procedure, bladder augmentation for people to regain urinary continence. So in general, this type of episode is really just to broaden the scope of what we do in stomal therapy and to, to make people aware that there are others out there who do technically have stomas that do require some level of care, but that they may not need to wear an ostomy pouching system. So you might be a person who does live with a continent stoma, you might be a family friend or loved one of somebody that has a continent stoma and you want more information or want to understand the procedure a bit better. Or you might be a healthcare professional or somebody looking after somebody uh, as a nurse or a specialist and you want to obviously understand the differences between these types of stomas and how they affect the person as well as how they are created. All right, let's kick off. The first type of continent stoma that we're going to talk about today is what we call the ACE or the MACE. ACE or MACE, M-A-C-E, and that stands for an Anti-grade Continent Enema, A-C-E. The other version is the Malone Antigrade Colonic Enema, popularized by a guy called Pedrag Malone around the 1990s, so a relatively new procedure. An ACE procedure is designed for people who have chronic constipation or fecal incontinence. So these types of problems can occur in perhaps children with spina bifida or for older adults who suffer from chronic constipation for whatever reason. Quite a lot of neurogenic problems can result in people's bowels not functioning properly. So the nerves don't work well enough to stimulate the colon to evacuate bowel contents properly. And so as a means of uh, correcting this chronic constipation, The surgeons create a stoma at the very start of the colon, um, and I'll explain about that type of procedure in a second, but it's designed so that you can pass an enema into the start of the large bowel, which will evacuate the contents by putting fluid in at the very start. So it essentially stimulates the bowel in the absence of the nerves being able to do that properly so that the person can sit on the toilet and have a bowel motion throughout the normal passage, so out of the bottom. So some of the instances where somebody might require surgery to create an ACE or a MACE, um, as I just mentioned, chronic constipation and faecal incontinence, they might have had a congenital condition at birth um, or an abnormality in their functioning, which may have left them either fecally incontinent or constipated chronically, which can obviously be quite a painful condition or it can be quite a degrading condition depending on the symptoms of that condition. They might have uh, what we call neuropathy. So as I mentioned before, a nerve supply problem that results from either spinal injury or spinal abnormalities. Later in life, some people who have suffered uh, spinal trauma, uh, that can affect the nerves in the bladder and bowel. And so they may end up having to have a procedure like this so that they can regain proper bowel function again. So that's just a small group of instances where people may undergo this surgery. All right, so how does this procedure create a stoma or a continent stoma, therefore? What happens is usually if you have your appendix, they take the appendix and they create a stoma from the appendix to the abdomen, much like a normal stoma is created. So for people that wear the ostomy appliances, instead of creating a stoma from stitching the colon or the small intestine to the skin, they actually attach the appendix to the surface of the skin and that becomes a very tiny, neat little stoma on the abdomen. So if you've had your appendix removed or whatever reason, I've had mine removed, it's quite common. If you don't have an appendix, the surgeon can often create that pathway or that tube connected to the colon by using a piece of small intestine. So they would simply just create that connection between the start of the colon and your external abdomen and use small intestine instead. But the principle is that they use a piece of tube created from the appendix or, or bowel To the outside world so that you can pass either a catheter or an irrigation via that stoma into the start of the colon and then fill up the colon so that it uh, creates an evacuation out of the bottom it's continent in the sense that when you irrigate with fluid you will have a bowel you'll be stimulated to have a bowel motion but when you have finished evacuating the irrigation is stopped and nothing comes out of that little stoma that's formed out of the appendix. And so what happens is most people get away with wearing a small dressing over the top. They may choose to wear a mini cap, a mini stoma cap, if there's a little bit of mucosal leakage from that stoma, which, as we know, stomas do that. It's what keeps them healthy. But they get away with wearing a dressing over it. And so what happens is it's, it's continent in the sense that their colon still works in the same way. It's simply just a means of instilling an enema into the start of the colon, as opposed to people who have enemas in via the anus, so transanal irrigation or enemas which go in the bottom, which really only reach a certain area of the colon and, and you're sort of going backwards up against the flow of things. And that's how the anti-grade colonic enema gets its name. Antigrade is is going with the flow of. So if you think of it in that sense, an anti-grade colonic enema is an enema that is instilled going with the normal flow of the colon. Now, the good thing about the ACE or the MACE surgery is that in many cases, the surgery is actually done what we call laparoscopically, which is like keyhole. So it's minimally invasive in a lot of cases. And that means that the patient doesn't have to undergo a very major surgery in order to have these stomas created, which is a, a great thing for some of these people. The recovery time is a lot better. As with any stoma, though, these types of stomas, an ACE or a MACE, aren't without complications themselves. Some of those complications can include things like stenosis, or which is where the stoma closes over if it gets too small, and it can be quite difficult to pass um, an irrigation tube or uh, an enema via that stoma if it is sealed shut and closed. One of the other complications that people can have is where the stoma starts to leak so that the valve mechanism um, in stopping it from leaking in the first place may become faulty or it may become loose and some people may find that they start getting uh, fecal content seeping out of that stoma. And in those cases, people often have to have surgical correction or they may have to be managed slightly differently, perhaps with an ostomy appliance if uh, follow-on surgery is not an option for them. Many people live quite confidently and very happily in having an ACE or a MACE to remain continent so that they can have bowel motions um, where they otherwise might not be able to. That's pretty much it in describing the ace or the mace type of continent stoma. They are known by a couple of different names. One of the other names is what we call an appendicostomy. Seems pretty straightforward. Ostomy is obviously the opening or the mouth and appendicostomy, so used from the appendix. It can also be referred to as a cecostomy using the cecum or the very start of the large intestine, which is how it gets its name also. But if you hear the term ACE or MACE procedure, you can link that to what we call a continent stoma, where the person would irrigate through that stoma using a solution so that they can evacuate the bowels out of the normal passage or out of the bottom. Irrigation is usually done with water, but they can have additives in them as well, depending on the degree of constipation, Uh, if the person has the ACE or the MACE as a result of constipation. And this can include things like dissolving laxatives into that irrigation fluid to help push the bowel motions through in addition to the water enema. Most often though, people happily irrigate with just uh, warm water and they can have proper bowel motions in that fashion. Depending on the condition under which the person has had the procedure done, we may need to put additives into it, but that's something that would be agreed upon between the nurse and the patient or the patient's family or doctor or specialist. Now, in a similar fashion to an ACE or a MACE, where we are simply creating a stoma into an intact organ like the colon so that the colon can continue to function, there's a urinary version of that, which is what we call the Mitrofanoff or the Monty procedure. Now, the Mitrofanoff procedure, think of it almost in exactly the same way. So we're taking the appendix and we are connecting it to an organ so that that organ can be drained But in this fashion, it's using the bladder instead of the bowel. So in a lot of similar cases, there's often uh, particularly children who are born with neurogenic conditions where the bladder doesn't function correctly or other congenital abnormalities in which the bladder does not void properly or this person cannot void in that fashion. Also in spina bifida cases or spinal cord injury cases. But the same principle applies in a Mitrofanoff procedure popularized by Paul Mitrofanoff around about the 1980s, around about the same time, they take the appendix and create an external stoma, like I mentioned. So you have a little tiny button of a stoma, usually implanted where the navel is or the belly button, but it can be elsewhere. And you would pass a catheter into that stoma and it goes all the way down into the bladder. So we're essentially surgically creating a channel between the bladder and the outside world. So that instead of sitting on the toilet and having a wee out of the urethra, you would pass a catheter through that stoma down into the bladder and you would urinate via that catheter into the toilet instead. Now, sometimes the ACE procedure and the Mitrofanoff procedure or the MONTI might be done at the same time, depending on the reason or the need for regaining continence. Now, as with talking about different names for these procedures, whilst we do call it the Mitrofanoff principle, it can also be referred to as an appendicovesicostomy. Way too long for me or you to remember and use, so we have often just refer to them as a Mitrofanoff. But the same principle: the appendico appendix vesicostomy. So vesico is bladder and ostomy. So an opening using the appendix connected to the bladder. In the Monty technique, they can use a segment of ileum or small intestine to lengthen that tube between the bladder and the outside world. So it's largely the same procedure still, but if they implement the small bowel into it, they may call it a Monty procedure. And this may sometimes be the case, especially when I said before about people who have also had an ACE or a MACE procedure done. If the appendix is absent and can't be used, they may choose to use a segment of small bowel. And so in these uh, cases, if people have dual stomas or more than one stoma, if perhaps they've had their appendix removed, or if the appendix is simply not long enough or viable, they may use a Monty technique where they use the small intestine. It's really the only difference. The procedure is still the same. The patient would be able to pass a catheter into the bladder via an external continent stoma. So again, no need for ostomy appliances because the bladder remains in place and the, once catheterized, the catheter gets removed and then nothing comes out of that stoma. So in many cases, the patient doesn't even need to cover the stoma because it has an anti-reflux valve that stops urine from coming back out through that stoma. Um, And if they place the stoma in the navel or the belly button, you can really even see it. So there may not even be a need to place a dressing over the top. Now, what are the similarities between these two types of continent stoma? With a ACE or a MACE or a Matrofenov or a Monty procedure, these techniques are done to utilize the organ in the body doing its job that it normally does. So the organ remains in the body remains intact. And we simply create almost like a bypass situation to get into that organ to empty the contents, as opposed to it being able to empty in the normal fashion. But what happens if these organs have to be removed for whatever reason? So if the total bowel has to be removed or the entire bladder must be removed from the body for whatever reason, be it disease or congenital conditions or or any other reason, in the absence of that organ, we still have the ability to surgically create an internal reservoir with an external stoma, so a continent stoma, that people can still empty and drain. And that's what we're going to talk about next when we start talking about things like the K pouch and the continent reservoir. So the Indiana pouch, which is for urine. These are operations that can recreate a reservoir that can take on the role of either the colon or of the bladder. So it can actually store feces or urine until a later date that the individual person can catheterize the stoma and evacuate that reservoir. Starting with the Indiana pouch, the Indiana pouch or the Indiana pouch reservoir is a pouch that is very similar, if you will, to an ileal conduit or a urostomy. An ileal conduit is what we would consider an incontinent stoma. An Indiana pouch reservoir is almost fashioned a bit similar to an ileal conduit, except that they take an extra segment of small intestine and they fold it over on itself and they basically create a pouch of small intestine. So that creates a reservoir in which to store urine. Instead of urine coming straight from the kidneys down through the ureters and out through that small 10 to 12 centimetre section of small intestine in the form of an ileal conduit, the Indiana pouch reservoir creates the ability to retain urine inside the body until it is catheterized and emptied. So internally, there is the section of small bowel. Externally, there is a continent stoma. So there's still a stoma, like I said, but where the stoma meets the reservoir, there's an anti-reflux mechanism that's surgically created when they stitch it to that pouch. And so that means that it's almost working like a one-way valve. When you pass a catheter in through the stoma on the abdomen, It goes through that stoma into the reservoir, evacuates the urine, and then when the the catheter is removed, that seals that shut so that nothing comes out and it allows that reservoir to refill again. Now, the advantages of having an Indiana pouch, if you are what we call eligible to have Indiana pouch surgery or suitable uh, there's the advantage of the urine being kept inside the body until it's ready to be emptied. So you don't have to have an external bag in which you're carrying around your own urine. So there's no odour either because everything is kept internally. The risk of urine leakage is minimal, but as with any type of surgery, there are complications that can occur and uh, leakage is one of those or where the anti-reflux valve doesn't work as well as it once used to and may in some cases require surgical correction. The stoma itself is very little, and because it doesn't leak, it can be covered with a very simple adhesive dressing or nothing at all. For some people, they prefer to put nothing on it. And there are some disadvantages to having an Indiana pouch too. So the surgery does take longer compared with that of having ileal conduit surgery. There is the additional need to be very vigilant in passing a catheter into that that reservoir very frequently, if, you know, if you're a person who has an Indiana pouch, you may have to catheterize every four hours around the clock. That includes night time for some people. Uh, they have to get up during the night to empty. Some people do get away with leaving a catheter in overnight and attaching it to a long bag. That's usually a post-surgical thing. But in general, you'll have to make sure that you're carrying catheters around with you and that you have a strict schedule for emptying that reservoir. Otherwise, if you let it get too full you run the risk of strain and in severe cases even rupturing that reservoir. And that's a very dangerous complication to happen and and it does happen. And these people that suffer from a rupture of the reservoir do have to go into emergency. But in general, many people live quite independently and very happily with an Indiana pouch that they can pass a catheter through several times a day and they maintain their continents and they maintain their independence in being able to live their daily life with a stoma that is a continent one. So, an Indiana pouch covers the reservoir to accommodate for urine evacuation. The bowel version of that or the equivalent version is what we call the K pouch or the cock pouch. And it's essentially created almost the same as an Indiana pouch. We're still creating a reservoir out of a piece of small bowel. Um, but essentially, once we create that continent stoma to the outside of the skin, we are evacuating bowel contents directly from the small intestine reservoir, as opposed to reimplanting it for urine instead. Now, it is important at this point to talk about the fact that there are different types of ileal pouches. I'm going to be focusing on the K-pouch or the BCIR reservoir, but there are different kind of pouches that form a continent stoma. And these are things like the J-pouch, the S-pouch. In some cases, they're called different things. But the one I really want to focus on is the K-pouch or the cock pouch cock pouch was actually named after Niels cock who was the surgeon that popularized and perfected the technique of creating this internal reservoir to store feces at a time when the person can pass a catheter through a stoma in the external body into that reservoir and evacuate fecal contents much like being able to catheterize a urinary reservoir it's the same principle just think of it as catheterizing and evacuating the bowel contents instead of the urinary contents The regime of a K-pouch management is largely the same as the urinary reservoir or the Indiana pouch. About four or five times a day, the person is required to insert a catheter in via the stoma on the abdomen that passes through an anti-reflux valve and into the intestine where it can evacuate the bowel contents. Now, having a K-pouch as opposed to having an incontinent stoma or an ileostomy, for instance, has advantages and I'm sure you can think of many of them off the top of your head. There is the freedom with not having to wear an external appliance or an ostomy bag. Patients with a K pouch can go swimming, they can wear clothes and there's no evidence aside from a small stoma that they are any different on the outside or on the inside from the next person. People would dress the little stoma the same if they want to, they can put a a mild wound dressing over it, some people prefer a mini cap, it doesn't matter Provided that the K pouch is intact and working properly, that stoma on the external part of the body shouldn't leak. There are some complication rates that do happen with the K pouch surgery. One of those is what we call slippage. And it's the anti-reflux part of the stoma that goes into that reservoir that can sometimes uh, get a bit lax or it doesn't sit spoutly enough or it slips to the side in the process of body changes post-surgical complications etc and what happens is that valve that stops poo from remaining in the reservoir can actually slip and leak out through that stoma that is one of the main complications of k-pouch surgery and if it's not fixable so if the surgeon can't fix the slippage issue with a revision of the internal anti-reflux valve the end result would be an ileostomy or an incontinent ileostomy. Now that poses problems in itself because when you've used quite a large segment of small intestine, in some cases it's almost up to two feet of small intestine to create this pouch or this reservoir, if that then fails and a surgeon has to uh, cut the small intestine and create a new stoma above that pouch, that's two feet of small intestine that you miss out on from absorbing the nutrients and the goodness of the things that you eat. So there are lots of risks with K pouch surgery and Indiana pouch surgery. But the principle is the less small bowel that you have, the higher risk you are at of developing things like malabsorption of nutrients, weight loss, dehydration and electrolyte losses. These are all the complications that can go on if you have a failed K pouch if the surgeon cannot fix the slippage issue, if that's the problem with it. And so for that reason, a lot of the K-pouch surgeries these days, or the BCIRs, which is almost exactly the same. FYI, a BCIR is a Barnett Continent uh, Ileal Reservoir. It's almost exactly the same. It's just a slightly different surgical technique on uh, creating the anti-reflux part of it. But in general, because of the complications of this surgery and the risks associated with it, it is not a commonly performed procedure, especially here in Australia anymore. It is done still quite a bit over in the US. There are selected surgeons that will do it. And there are one or two surgeons throughout Australia that will actually perform it and around the world. But ever since the uh, popularization of the IPAA, which is the ilio pouch anal anastomosis, which I've talked about in previous episodes, where they can create a new pouch like the reservoir of a K pouch, but they can directly anastomose that to the anal sphincter. And therefore, you regain your continence in being able to sit on the toilet and have a bowel motion that way. But for some people who end up having to have an abdominoperineal resection where the anus is actually removed and stitched shut, a K pouch surgery would be a potential option for them because there's nothing to um, anastomose an IPAA to. So a K-pouch surgery might be more beneficial for these people if they were deemed eligible for it. There are just as many cases where K-pouch surgery is not appropriate or even Indiana pouch surgery is not appropriate. And these are things like in the presence of severe inflammatory bowel disease, short gut syndromes, uh, previous bowel surgeries, cancer. Cancer may preclude somebody from having the appropriate uh, intra-abdominal space from undergoing this procedure. There's many, many reasons why somebody would not be suitable to have K-pouch surgery, and the end result for that would be an end ileostomy or an incontinent stoma anyway, uh, and having to use ostomy bags. But this podcast isn't about deciding who and who doesn't get a K-pouch. This episode is really just about explaining to you the fact that there are continent stomas out there, and they are treated a little bit differently to the incontinent stomas that we are most commonly associated with. But I wanted you to know that they are out there because they do require lots of education, lots of management, and they all come with their own set of individual complications as well as what people with an incontinent stoma has. People with a continent stoma still have to be signed up to the stoma appliance scheme for us here in Australia. That's where all the supplies are funded. For people that don't have an appliance scheme, you might have to purchase your catheters um, and this, you would obviously need to purchase plenty of catheters so that you can evacuate either the the reservoir for the urine or the reservoir for the bowel, anywhere up to four to six times a day. Initially, postoperatively, you might even be learning to catheterize that reservoir eight, ten to twelve times a day. It's every two hours when you are learning. So there's an awful lot of education and strict regimes that come along with these with these types of stomas particularly the off and the monty stomas. And uh, the fact that it's often done in young children makes it exponentially more difficult because you have to learn to teach children how to catheterize their continent stoma regularly. And that has impacts in itself. What happens when the child then goes to school? How do they continue that regime? Are they going to have to have um, a teacher's aide or a supervisor attend with them while they're catheterizing? All those sorts of things are things that we as stoma nurses take into account when we are caring for people who have a continent stoma. We don't forget about those with a continent stoma. They are just as important as people who have an incontinent stoma. And these people can even get the surrounding skin problems that those with an incontinent stoma have as well. If there is leakage, if there is mechanical stripping from putting uh, wound dressings over that continent stoma, from medical adhesives, we can learn to treat that as well. We still have to look after the peristomal skin around those continent stomas. There just seem to be less complications with leakage and skin damage because obviously the person is regaining their continence. So they're not going to have as many issues with fecal output, urinary output, moisture damage, getting onto that healthy skin around that stoma. So there we go. I really just wanted to highlight in this episode the, the similarities and the differences in continent stomas and the non-continent or the incontinent stomas that people commonly live with. And the fact that some continent stomas can be created within the existing organ itself, where the organ is not removed, it might simply be defective or damaged. And then there are the continent stomas that the organ does have to be removed and it is recreated to form a reservoir to hold uh, the, the contents that were once in that original organ. So there are similarities and differences. So that pretty much wraps up our episode on continent stomas today. I hope you found it interesting. It's a fairly short episode today just to keep it nice and concise to give you a little bit of information talking about the fact that we as stoma nurses do more than just bags and accessories if you like what you've heard today as usual jump on our usual sites we're on youtube spotify podbean and apple podcasts feel free to rate us like us leave a comment if you want you can find us on facebook also under the oz to me nurse project you can see my posts and my links to other videos and tune in next time for another episode of the oz to me nurse project coming to you from down under because that's where your stoma is Take care, everybody. Bye.